In a world where all the movies are about superheroes, two friends team up to talk about movies from a simpler time, a time before iPhones. They'll search for deeper meaning, mock things they don't like, and of course, there will be spoilers. Please join Terrence McHenry and Hollis Lazzarini as they get real nostalgic. Okay. Hey, everybody. Hey, what's up? We're back. We are back. We watched Harlow Nights. 1989. Okay. Written and directed by Eddie Murphy. Was this his debut directorial written? It was. He also was the executive producer and, uh, you know, one of the leads in the film. So he he had four hats to wear with this film. Wow. You know, uh, Eddie Murphy also was a singer. Did you know that? I knew of one song that, that he performed, and it yeah. is very beloved to me. It's Party called, All the Time? Yes. Yeah, so I'll tell you a story about that real quick, if you don't mind. Oh, please. So in the seventh grade, we had a talent show, mm-hmm. and the song that I performed was Party All the Time oh by my gosh. Eddie Murphy. So Get imagine a 12-year-old up on stage. I had some sunglasses on. Yes. My, my collar popped. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I performed "Party All the Time" by Eddie Murphy. That that song was hot. Heck like yeah. at the time, it, like when it came out, like yeah, like that song was the shiz. It really was. Like I just love. So... <laughs> I just love how serious Eddie Murphy is in the video. Oh yeah, it's my favorite. Oh yeah, he is not playing around, and it's one of those things that when I first. I'd heard the song, uh-huh. but then I saw the video. And if uh-huh. you haven't seen, I know you have, but yeah. anyone listening, if you have not seen the video, you should uh-huh. really YouTube this. <laughs> not only Slick Rick is in it as uh-huh. well, but what gets me is the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, he's playing serious. No. And then as the video went on, I'm like, oh, no. No, no. <laughs> he's just serious. And see, that also reminds me of the scene in Beverly Hills Cop where he's boogie into climaxes. Yeah. Meeting in the ladies' room mm-hmm. and his face is so serious, but he's getting his boogie on. Like yep. he's got that look and yeah. it's that same, you know what I mean? Like Yes. But yeah, so Eddie Murphy wear many hats. Many hats. <laughs> and uh, this is the only film he ever directed though. Wow. Yeah. Okay. The budget was thirty million. Okay. US gross was sixty million. Okay. And the cumulative worldwide was $95 million. Did good. It did. Yeah. So. Wait, did you heard, you said you had never heard of this movie before? No, I okay. hadn't. Mm-mm. So, I, yeah. And so my first viewing. Okay. And this one, it stars three generations of African-American stand-up comics. Yeah. Red Fox, mm-hmm. Richard Pryor, and Eddie Murphy. Yep. It's also Red Fox's final film. Wow. Yeah, he passed away two years later in 91. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. He had a stand-up called uh, Red Fox in a Brown Paper Bag. It had a triple X rating. Really? That's how dirty he was. Like, yeah, like, and I remember, like, getting the opportunity to, like, rent it, and it was just super crude like dirty humor that that was the kind of comedian he was but very funny okay. very very funny yeah yeah i'm and not familiar I, with his stand-up and then i grew up watching you know the his show red, yeah the red fox show now i can't even think of the name of it um sanford and son excuse me oh, okay so yeah so i grew up watching sanford and son and so 
on there he had to be it was television so he was controlled and he had the is it the FAA that FCC FCC mm-hmm. that regulates like the kind of humor and it kind of relates I relate him to like the Bob Saget so okay. you know he was that TV dad but when you see him in stand up he's like grimy dirty like cussy same same type of thing you know okay. what I mean yeah well this story is inspired by the real life feud between gangs or Jewish gangster Dutch Schultz okay and black gangster Bumpy Johnson. Bumpy Johnson, yes. Over control of Harlem's lucrative numbers gambling rackets in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And it's also basically during the time of Prohibition, too. Um, Prohibition was, I think, 29, 1929 to 1933. Something like that, Something yeah. Something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so it had to do with all that, like Sugar Ray. And in the beginning, you, you see he's not really made it yet. He's got like a... a a, a dice table like a craps table yeah in that scene where it's the young quick gets introduced mm-hmm. and so i think that's like his humble beginnings was that start with that single craps table that he had in some back area of a building to what he grew into right. as sugar rays and the front of the candy shop and the success that he was and clearly from that first scene you realize that like he has to put up with some very unruly characters because he doesn't have the establishment no. with the muscle to, nope. to protect him. And so he's got this guy in there who's not feeling the fact that he's losing. <laughs> well, I don't think he's quite losing yet, but he's like on the verge of losing. And, you know, the young quick walks in whose name is Desi Arnaz. Uh, mm-hmm. Desi Arnaz was also the character that played in the movie Poison the Hood Mm -hmm. and he played the young character that ended up growing into B. Cuba Gooding's character. Okay. Um, And so he comes in and the guy is immediately taken aback when he sees this little kid. He says that little kids are his like bad luck charm basically. Right. He ain't gonna shoot the dice while this little kid's in there and and Sugar Ray tells him basically you know this it says Sugar Ray out there. This is my spot. Mm-hmm. You know, so you either shoot the dice or give them up. And so the guy's like, all right, I'm going to shoot these dice. And I bet not crap. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to make you motherfucker's all go home broke. <laughs> and he's missing his two front teeth. Like, mm-hmm. those are just gone. And, of course, he craps. And he loses his shit. And he's like, I told you that little kid was going to bring me l- bad luck. And he pulls out his knife and he's going to shank Sugar Ray. And he tells him that he wants his money, all the money that he lost and all the money that they brought in tonight. Right. And Sugar Ray says he ain't going to give him shit. And the whole time he's kind of reaching down, but he's kind of out of reach of his like pistol that he's got down there. Right. Because unbeknownst to him. Yeah. It's uh, when he finally does get to the area where he can reach it. It's not there. It's because it's because the young man, young quick. It's like he has got the gun in his hand and fired it straight into this dude right. before like anyone knows the di- like knows anything that's going on. Right into the skull. Good shot. Yeah. Yeah. Finisher. The finisher. And you know, the first thing I'd say to the disgruntled gambler is, <laughs> you know, maybe what you think about you brought about. <laughs> maybe had nothing to do with that kid. Seriously, not at all. I was sitting there focusing on number seven. <laughs> And then you just rolled it. Maybe you should have tried to hit your point. 
you should have been thinking about your point. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not a craps player. I don't know a whole lot about the game. There's so much. Like there, it seemed like they were just playing a simple crap game. Oh, yeah. But when you go to like Las Vegas or Tahoe, those tables are just, there's so much to see on them and it just confuses me. And I, I just, I like to watch. Yeah. It's I've, super fun. Yeah. It's, but it's. You just have to ignore all that other stuff. Is, okay. Yeah, there's like, there's like a few bets that, you know, you can just play and, and it's fun. Okay. Usually you don't want to bet against the roller because mm-hmm. it's like That's kind bad. of a dick move. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really fun. Okay. I remember winning a bunch of money at a craps table one night. Hmm. And so that's what hooks you in. And then you think like, I'm going to go to the craps table. I'm going to win a bunch of money. And then it doesn't happen again Uh, because it's really rare. Okay. Yeah, it's a bad way to get introduced to the game. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. But my other question. Mm -hmm. So Richard Pryor's hairstyle with the part down the the middle. Mm -hmm. Because you know the, this is the era where we we don't manipulate the aging or any of that kind of stuff and i was yeah. like that must be the indication that he was a younger man yeah because in, like in the next scene when it's 20 years later he looks identical but he doesn't For have the sure. part he doesn't have the part yeah it's like the 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 aging process yes yes no doubt so we get to um, meet quick as a, as a young man now he's yes. about 27 mm-hmm and he's running that club, years. yeah, mm-hmm. running that club with Sugar Ray. Mm-hmm. And this club is uh, is flourishing. It's popping. It's like a Monday night, and they're like it said, like at one point there's another scene where they talk about it's a Monday night, and your club is full. It's packed. Yeah, you know, and so they had a very cool club. And what I liked about their club, if you notice, it wasn't just a black club. It was like a mixture of races in there. There was white people in there. There was black people in there. Yeah. So their club was obviously welcoming of everybody. Not all clubs in that time would have been the same. I like that their club was like mixed like that, that they didn't care. The only thing that really mattered was your money, I'm sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Makes sense, too. It does. I've always, if I was had a business, I'd definitely come one, come all. No doubt. Everybody's money's green. That's right. I'll take it. Please. Nice. And so he had a mixture of everything in his club. He had gambling and dancing and a live band like a band band you know what i mean and a brothel in the and back. a brothel in the back he had everything and so uh what's funny is it's not the same name but in a movie that i'm sure we'll do later called life mm-hmm. have you ever seen that one mm-hmm. he talks about a club that he has and the club is called ray's boom boom room okay no this place is called sugar ray's but it's funny. There's kind of maybe that I think kind he did of that you know what purpose. I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah so that seems that seems right. And then there's also in that same movie in life, he gets into a fight with the guy Goldmouth, and he's down on the ground. But he says to the guy, he says, "Hey, Goldmouth, I know an old bitch named Della that hits harder than you." Yeah, and that's a reference to mm-hmm. this movie also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and life is his second period piece. <clears throat> Yes. And it's one of the reasons this film got made is Eddie Murphy really wanted to do a period piece. Yes. And then, you know, Lucky Day, he also got Richard Pryor, who mm-hmm. was his, in his, Eddie Murphy says that Richard Pryor is his greatest inspiration for, for his sure. stand-up. For sure. And so it was kind of a dream come true for, for Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. It makes and, sense that he would he would reference his own film in, a, in, a, in, the, in the other period piece. And I'm sure it was probably the same in working Richard Pryor with like a Red Fox. You know what I mean? That because Red Fox was the beginning before, you know, Richard Pryor. So Red Fox paved that that path for a comedian like Richard Pryor to be able to come in and do his thing. 
And then I'm sure like all the other comedians that were on there, the, you know, the Arsenio Halls, the Robin Harris's, they're standing in the, in the presence of these three generations of super comedians. Like I could only imagine how, like, how in awe they must have been to be working with these people, like to be able to go back to their like friends and family and be like, dude, can you believe I'm working with Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Red Fox? Like some of these comedians, you know, they, they made this path for us. Like, right. I just, I just, I, it's just amazing. The, the cast that you see on this, in this movie. I yeah. Think, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So yeah, we get that established. We have a good feel for what kind of place this is mm-hmm. and and how successful that they are. Oh yeah. And then in walks Tommy Smalls. Mm-hmm. And he's got Jasmine Guy with him who is Dominique LaRue. Dominique LaRue, right. excuse me. The mistress of the big boss. Yes. And they come into Sugar Rays. And this scene is actually kind of funny because they, they have like a bouncer that's a Hispanic guy who reminded me of a, a guy that I worked with named Renee. And, but the guy walks up and he says, hey boss, Tommy Smalls is here. And they look over and they see him standing there. And he's like, oh, it looks like, you know, Tommy Smalls is coming to check out the competition. And the bouncer says, you want I kick he ice? <laughs> he's like, no. And, 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 and Sugar Ray's response was, no, you don't got kicky ice. Yeah. <laughs> And so he sends uh, Quick over, and with a with a with a, well, good intentions, just but, and also just kind of like, hey, no, you know, do not get too involved with this. Like, go check it out, but yeah, don't, but don't, don't, don't mess get with that digging girl. in there. Yeah. And yeah, like just. But I think also he sent him over to to make sure that there wasn't going to be any problems. Like, right. you know what I mean? And so I think he, of course, went over there to flex his authority a little bit. You know what I mean? But. Also to find out about this girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? And. Uh, well, I have to say, um, immediately, as soon as Quick walks up uh-huh. and starts to engage with Tommy Smalls. Yes. I don't like Tommy. No. And it's his laugh. Yes. Every time he says Quick. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I think it was like a, trying to be like disrespectful to his name. Agree. Like, so it was like Mr. Quick. Ha, 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 ha. And I just, it was a bit much. It went a little far with it after like the third time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was my only, that was the only thing I could take from it. Why he kept doing it was like a disrespect toward quick because you hear him talking to other people and he doesn't do that. You know what it also is interesting is that Tommy in, in his distraction with insulting quick, he mm-hmm. doesn't really see this kind of the little exchange going on between LaRue and Quick. Yeah, for sure. They're very eye to each other, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right in each other's eyes. Yes. And there's obviously an Im- immediate chemistry or so she would like to think if as you get to her, right. you know, further into it and see, you know, what her play is. But, you know, there's obviously something there. Right. There's a chemistry between the two of them. And he's, he's you know, Quick, he's... He's uh, a very, he's a young man at 27-ish. Um, he's wearing wearing a tuxedo to work, like very <laughs> affluent black male in a time where most black people weren't affluent in right. that time. You know what I mean? Um, so he's very like, I guess, kind of dreamy, you know, like mm-hmm. that type of character. And, you know, he's very flirtatious with her and kisses her hand and 
all that stuff and and essentially is completely defying sugar rays 100 percent. yeah and and he doesn't care not at all he wants to get to know this lady for sure when he gets back to the table you know he lets them situate themselves and gets back to the table and sugar ray's like i told you (laughs) like even from across the like across the room he's like i saw that yeah you're he's like, pull one what? Me. I'm like, like, I saw you. He's like, what? She, she didn't do anything. I was just trying to, you know, make sure that everything was going to be okay. Yeah, like, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure you were. It's exactly what you were doing. Yes. And then the night's over and, and we're all kind of sitting around. We're looking at um, how much we took in that night. Yep. And because Vera runs the back mm-hmm. and the brothel, that's really the only unknown there. Yeah. And so she... Is like, oh, well, this is what we did tonight. Yeah, so they went through the whole thing, how much the bar brought in, the door, you know, the tables. And the only thing they were waiting on was Vera. And she comes in and she says that they brought in about 200 bucks. And Quick is immediately, like, calling her a liar and a thief. Like, he all, he's like, your girl's been back there all night. And all they brought in was $200. You know, somebody's math is real bad is basically what he says. Yeah. And uh, she takes offense to that. She doesn't <laughs> like being called a thief or a liar. No. And she wants to fight. And Literally. I love how she says, she goes, and after we fight, there ain't going to be no hard feelings either. Right. <laughs> so I like to say that to people. You know, after I beat you up, I'm still going to be your friend. Yeah. So it's my kind of play on what she says but i love it she's like and after we done and i'm i've done beating you up there ain't gonna be no hard feelings either and i just i love it i love della reese's character in this in this film Mm -hmm. and just how brash she is as much as she thinks she's like a lady because you see the way she dresses and the way she walks and you know what i mean and it's but she's also a madam exactly because you have to be both yeah to a bunch of prostitutes exactly (laughs) you know what i mean you can't yeah you can't be completely soft especially because she's running it all on her own Mm. in the back right but see now i think about it maybe 200 bucks is a a, i mean in 1930 200 is a lot of money yeah right so maybe she costs a dollar dollar fifty like 200 is a lot of bread yeah i mean and to me it's just it's the principle Mm -hmm. it's not even about that yeah. You know, what is it about this Monday night that makes Quick all of a sudden going to question her like that? Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, Sugar Ray's kind of looking at him like, you know, you <laughs> should know better. I don't know what all of this is. But he lets everything play out. Mm-hmm. That's the other That's the thing about Sugar Ray. He's really chilled back. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And so who wouldn't, but who wouldn't take offense to being called a thief? Yeah, no, definitely. If somebody, especially if I did not steal. Uh, right. Oh, I'm going to be indignant. I really want somebody to like say that I stole something and I, dude, I, I mean, I would ask for it first. That's just me. I'm not a thief. Oh, I would either. never I steal no. something. Like if I couldn't buy it, I would ask for it. And if I couldn't get it like that, then I would just have to go without. Right. But if somebody says I stole something and I didn't steal it, oh, I'm going to be like she is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say the fight scene goes on too long for me. Does it? Yes. But it's but you have to you have to have both sides of it. And I think in the end it plays out what how it was, but I love how she hits him first like a mm-hmm. couple of times. Yeah. And then it's the classic Eddie Murphy. 
that oh you oh you gonna do that you know his hop around his yeah, yeah, yeah. you know his his back and forth like trying to act like he's truly a boxer you know mm-hmm. what I mean and he gets a few hits on her and then when he gets overly cocky that's when she she knows that he's gonna be overly cocky and she gets him pretty much for the most part yeah and then it ends really after that like because he hits her with the trash can a couple of times the lid and then the trash can and then he shoots her in the foot because she pulls the knife on him yeah but i don't know i just that scene always like it's it would like i would like people that i know have seen the movie mm-hmm. like i would be like i don't know where i'd be like Oh, now you want to hit me with the garbage can. (laughs) (laughs) And if you've seen the movie, then Mm -hmm. you know, you know what I mean? And so, you know, and then I love how after the fight, they're all like, man, she whooped your ass. Like they're all talking to Eddie Murphy or to Quick because, you know, for the most part, she got the better of him, I think. Like. Yeah, to end it, you had to shoot her in the toe. Yeah. Like, yeah, big man. You're a real big guy. <laughs> oh, you win the fight. Like, let me move on from there. Mm-hmm. And the infighting must be paused because a lingering outside threat starts to emerge. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, Tommy was sent in just to kind of scope everything out. And now yes. he's reported back to Calhoun. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they're making all this money and I'm not, I'm not getting my piece of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm going to strong arm them. Mm-hmm. And it's that's the unfortunate thing about the black market and underground business, right, is that there really isn't any recourse. No, because um, you can't call the cops mm-mm. because you're an illegal liquor yeah. gambling hey, business. Hey, um, so, so <laughs> like, I'm running this illegal thing and I'm making a lot of money. And like this other guy, he's going to come and take my money from me. Can you it's like... It's not cool. Like, we earned our shit. Like, he just needs to leave us alone. So can you like help us out with yeah. that? That would be really cool. That would be great. I love that. They're like, uh, no, we're going to bust your ass. Hands behind your back. Or you're going to pay us off too. <laughs> Welcome to the way it works. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. So Phil Cantone shows up and it's uh, Sugar Ray walking into his own home to find Phil Cantone sitting in his house. Not good. No. Not Whenever at all. that happens, it's not good. No, I would be a little pissed off. And I'd be a little scared. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. And so uh he says to him, you know, this is a nice house and you know, I I would have waited outside, but this is a bad neighborhood. But it's funny he says this is a bad neighborhood, but then inside he says it's a beautiful home that he's got this beautiful yeah, cause house. Yeah, cuz he's just a BSer. Yeah. And so um he uh, asks him basically if he, you know, how he made all this money, how he, that was, that's a beautiful suit, you know, is that Macy's? And he's like, no, this is tailor made. You know, if you'd like my tailor's number, I can give it to you. He's like, no, I'm an off the rack guy. And, and Ray gets his, Sugar Ray gets his little disc and he's like, but your suits fit you so well. And, right. And the funny thing is Cantone picks up on it. He, oh, yeah. he immediately gets, he's like, Oh, that's funny. There's so, there's something so annoying about these antagonists when they come in with the, well, I want a nice suit yeah. and I don't make that much money at yeah, my yeah. job. And, nah, 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 nah. and it's yeah. like, well, then why don't you do something about yeah. it? It's funny. This is this character da- that Danny Aiello is 
that he plays it's it's kind of his typecast mm-hmm. if you've seen him in any other movies this is that character like i think he plays it well yeah um there's a movie i'm sure we'll watch called do the right thing he's in that and mm-hmm. that's that character it's that same yes. even though it's not the same uh he's not a police officer no, but in that one yeah. but it's that same character and so yes you have this antagonist that's like you it's have the, all these... yeah it's like other everyone <clears throat> else but me is responsible like, for my lot in life. He's, he, you're getting it so easily and I work my ass off and I'm getting my suits off the rack at Woolworths and you're tailor-made tuxedo. Right. Like, wah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, I, I mean, to me, I immediately just don't like you. Yeah. It's, it's so, you coming in and pointing out to somebody else that, yeah. you know, basically I have power and yeah. I can take something from you. Yeah. But it's all, you know, here's the threat. Yeah. Not very veiled. Yeah. And Ray's like, no, I, you know, I'm, I run a candy store. Candy. And he's like, all this from candy? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, 20 years, candy. And he explicitly asks Ray if he runs the um the this, this whole gambling nightclub sugar race yeah and, and he's, he's like, like no no it's not me so we get that lie out there mm-hmm. and then that's when he shows up yeah he, they're the in the club and yeah and he looks they're him and uh quicker having a talk and and quick makes mention how how busy it is this night you know obviously this is not a monday maybe this is tuesday right. you know <laughs> and they, and he makes mention of how busy it is and and sugar ray is like yeah it really is and he kind of looks around and he's like oh shit and he sees officer phil cantone over there getting his little boogie on to the music and the stairway and then he looks over and he sees him and he does the wave and the the double hand and and what I love is that you know Ray is standing in front of the neon sign that says Sugar Ray. Yes. It's right in the background, <laughs> and it's exactly who he said he isn't. It's it's perfect. It really is. And so he comes over, and immediately he's like, "Oh, Ray, you know you lied to me. You know you, you told me that- like I didn't know you lied to me. <laughs> I really believed you made all that money from, from candy. candy. Like, come on, man. Like you lied to me." And he's like, "Ah." You know, and he's like, you know, is there some place we can talk? And he's like, my office, you know, come on back. And they have a very direct, candid and quick conversation about exactly how much money is going to be dispersed. Oh, yeah. So the 15,000 a week you make, you're going to pay me 10. Just I'm like, wow. Boom. That's not even 50, 50. That's like 75, 25. Not good. Like, like, come on. Is there any kind of like. Any not kind a of negotiation, negotiations Terrence, here? Not a like... negotiation. No, no, no. Nope. This is just what's happening. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And, you know, they're going to pay that. And so uh, Sugar Ray says, can he have some time and get back to him? And uh, Officer Phil Cantone says, no, I'll get back to you. Right. Basically. And so I think the next scene is you see uh, Calhoun in his house with another character i didn't write him down um and but he's the one that i guess brought tommy tommy smalls into their like crew to run the pity pack club and uh he's like saying how they're not making as much money as ray is and how the week before they were down and he was like that's because tommy got us for you know, some money, like he's skimming off the top and he's like, no way, you know, Tommy's a good guy. He's, he's not smart enough to do that. He doesn't have the balls to do that. 
And Calhoun's like, you don't underestimate him. He's got huge balls. It's just weird the way he says it. Um, yeah. And it's also strange that, you know, in this conversation, in this context, and, and you would think that the guy he's talking to would see the direction it's going. Yeah, and, and excuse he himself. <laughs> he does not, no. And he just throws himself right onto the fire. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, I personally, you I, know, recommended I him. him in. Yeah, I brought him in. I'd be like, oh. You're an idiot. You just, oh no, dude, you just really screwed up. Yeah. And so he invites him over to to talk over by the piano. Little conversation. Just a little, have a little talk. And he wants him to relax. Yeah. Wants him to put his hand on the piano to lean up against it and and relax while they have a little conversation. But we all know there is no relaxing. No, there's there's not. I would have fought it. I'd be like, come on, man, listen, I got five grand. You want the five grand? Like, here, let me let me peel that off for you. I got that. But no, nah, he mm. wants to not talk about money at all anymore. Yeah, these and are he's... the moments, Terrence, where I stop and I go, this is why you're not an organized <laughs> Yes. <laughs> because they don't play. No. And they don't want to hear anything. That once they've made their decision to hurt you, you're going to be hurt. Yeah, mistakes lead to physical pain. Yeah. And I don't like physical and pain. And I can only imagine how much the lid of a piano weighs especially when it's like like jerked out of like the wood that was holding up is like knocked out of it like like violently you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah. so the 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 way it comes down on your hand is going to be worse i think than obviously if you just gently let it down it ain't going to hurt you that bad but yeah yeah it broke his hand pretty good because he had the, the and he had it verified, yeah. yeah. It's like verified that his hand is broken, or we're doing this again. Is, like, what, oh, yeah, is what it felt like to me. It's, it's broke pretty good. Yeah. He says, yeah. And so he tells me to go get it fixed, and and then to kill Tommy, to go kill Tommy. Yeah. Then you flash back, and they want you got Sugar Ray telling Quick to go talk to Tommy and try to make like kind of like a truce, I guess. You know what I mean? And uh, so Quick goes over to Tommy's house. And he's standing down in the lobby, and it's the 30s, so I could imagine that the intercom system from the bottom floor up to the to the room, maybe that technology hadn't been fully mastered yet, you know. Maybe, maybe not. But he's kept ringing, and he couldn't get Tommy. But the reason there was a reason why he couldn't get Tommy. Yes. And so he bribes the guy with a 20, which again, back in the 1930s, that 20 dollar bill. That's probably be like a hundred dollar bill now, or probably you know I mean? more. Yeah, yeah, like, and so he gives the guy twenty, and he's able to go upstairs. And Tommy's door is ajar. You know, he sees him there, and then by the time he gets around, and sees that he's shot up and neck slit. He just has to get out of there. Like, there's no reason for him to stand around. Right. But when he goes outside, uh, Arsenio Hall's character, who's called the crying man in the credits and in on imdb um but he's tommy's brother right and uh he said hey ain't, ain't that quick you know why is he coming out of tommy's apartment and so they they go to figure it out and so they go up there and they want to talk to tommy and find out why quick was up there but when they get up there tommy is dead and they assume that quick did it and so now they're in chase of quick and want to get revenge and this scene is ridiculous, and I, we kind of talked about this. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, he's just constantly crying. And I can see you being pissed. Your brother right. gets killed, and this guy seems you think he's done it. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like, 
obviously this is the directorial like Eddie Murphy approved of this and wanted this like it it was obviously well I think it's trying to integrate the humor Mm -hmm. you know and and that to make it a little like over the top it's a little ridiculous yeah and it just for me it drew too much attention to itself to the point where I would have been on his side Mm -hmm. you know it's like you you would automatically want to give some sympathy if his brother was murdered right yeah but all I want is for him to die yeah. as soon as he just won't stop crying. Yeah, yeah. It went on, it went on too long. So they're they're in chase of him in the car, and uh, uh, Quick notices right away that he's being tailed by these guys because they're obviously not the best tail guys. And uh, he hits his brakes and makes them wreck in the back. And when they wreck, obviously Arsenio Hall's finger is on the trigger. He shoots the guy that's in front of him in the back of the head mm-hmm. and kills his own guy. And so they realize it and they're even more pissed. Now they've killed he's Eddie or quick has killed Tommy. And now because of quick doing what he did now, he's killed this guy in the car. They want to kill him. They want to pull up on the side of him, blast him and uh, quick crashes them. He jumps into a window and now it's these three guys trying to, you know what this situation is? What's that? A bunch of assumptions and a lack of personal responsibility. <laughs> Listen, crying man. Crying man. You know, maybe you should like investigate a little bit further. I know what you think you saw. And yes. I, it, it does seem pretty plain. Mm-hmm. But now we're engaged in a whole other scenario. For sure. You know, Quick's attached to people. This isn't just some rogue dude no. who's like, and it's not really his, he's not known to be like, a murderer or in, in that no, regard you know no. it's like he's not that guy he's like so, a tough guy i guess you know but like a businessman more of anything more businessman yeah yeah and so yeah this scene goes on and on and on and the back and forth and the shootouts yeah they are uh machine gunning like mm-hmm. tommy guns and then there's the third guy and all he's got is a revolver and so they do a blast like brah, 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 with no machine gun face yeah. and then the guy's like pow yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then uh crying man says what he says again and he's like shooting again like brah, and the guy's like pow pow and then at one point, crying man looks over at him. He's like, what are you doing shooting that little shit for? And so he shoots again, and the guy's like, pow. And then he like hits him with his hat. And he's like, stop shooting that little shit. And then at this point, Quick is just done with these guys. And he yeah, shoots three I, shots, mm-hmm. and he kills all three of them. Well, Lucky day. Puts them all down. Yeah. Uh, a crying man doesn't die right away, but he does die. Yeah. Uh, and I was glad. Me too. Sorry, Arsenio Hall. I've always been a fan, but But, it was a bit much. Yeah. (laughs) And like you said, I mean, it's what was wanted. Yep. So now he's kind of on the run. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in between, it's either right after this or or has already happened, is that Sugar Ray has kind of started to develop a plan to deal with this whole scenario. And Mm -hmm. it's... It involves this prize fighter. Mm -hmm. It involves a little trickery and some very well calculated deception in terms of betting to to show, you know, an inclination towards something Mm -hmm. that is false. And so he sets it up to where it looks as if he's paid the champ off to take a fall. Yes, because they they actually kind of mentioned it earlier that 
uh, all of the bedding houses in the area are owned by Calhoun except for Sugar Ray's. So they obviously put a bet out in Calhoun's um, bedding houses betting on the Irishman to win. And I did look up um, what 200,000, which is what they put on him. Yes. That in 1918, the equivalent to today's money was roundabout. Um, mm-hmm. It was like $700,000. Wow. And so if you hear later, Calhoun puts $500,000 yeah. Yeah. on the on the on the Irish box. And it's really smart because yeah. then you can, you know, it, it's an unbeknownst to him. He's also got this whole other kind of. It's not as clear. It's not as defined. They kind of keep the other um, part of the the plan secret, yes. which was fun, because you get to see that and un- un- kind of develop as we go along. So that's all in play. And then we have this, this. It's almost like an olive branch. It feels like from Calhoun mm-hmm. to Quick, yes. Which is, oh, I know you took a fancy to my lady Larue. Yes, you know why don't why don't you guys work together? I'd love I'd, I want you guys to run the Pity Pack Club. Yeah, because you know Tommy's dead now, Tommy Smalls, and he's and not having it. Quick's he's loyal. really uncomfortable with the whole thing. Well, he he thought yeah. that they were meeting for a date. Sure, he came with a heart box of candy that I'm sure he got from Sugar Ray's, and he got uh, some roses for her. He came in thinking that he was the superstar with his gifts and whatnot. Right. And then he shows up and she's like, I'd like to introduce you to to Bugsy Calhoun and his consigliere. You know what I mean? And so he's taken aback by this because this is not what he signed up for. And he makes it pretty clear and, and they have a little back and forth and he gets out of there. Yeah. But then we have this scene where she's kind of offered up by... Calhoun. Well, he he asks her if he if after uh, Quick is gone, he asks her if she likes him, and she says yes. And he's like, "Do you think he's somebody that you would want to fuck?" Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Yes, yeah, I would, yeah." And so they don't really hatch the plan in front of us, but she she's gonna invite him over, and, and he's going to accept this invitation. Ni- well, and it's also it's the nineteen thirties. So she had to mail it to him. Yeah. I love that. Because he gets a letter like. <laughs> it ain't no quick text. You know what I mean? Like, hey. Yeah. What's up? Come over. You know what I mean? She had to like write out a letter, you know, yeah. address a, an envelope, put she a stamp just on it. Right. No, she couldn't just swipe right. She had to put a stamp yeah. on it. She had to go down to the post office. That's right. Drop it off at it's the post office. a lot of intention. Yeah. And then he had to get it and read it and know she wants she wants human business right yeah and it is funny when he's he's waiting and and she's in the other room and he's like he's putting his pistol yeah. under the pillow and, and then he he, he goes to put a guns. second pistol yeah. under the pillow <laughs> and he finds hers yeah and, it's, and his interaction with himself and his kind of like that moment i really liked well at first he's like oh she's yeah it's just like, like super like cute me. like yeah, she keeps look. her gun under her pillow too and her her gun was like a miniature version of his gun Okay. Like his had like this like pearlesque like handle on it, like black gun. It was a little bit larger caliber than hers was. Mm-hmm. Hers was the same gun, but just smaller. Yeah. And he thought it was so cute at first. And then you could see the gears exactly. working in his head all of a sudden. He's like, ah, oh, this second. bitch. It's not cute anymore. She going to try to kill me. Yeah. And so 
he takes advantage of the situation. Well, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? I would. Well, oh, wait, no. Yeah, that's what you mean. I meant... <laughs> I meant something different. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. He takes, he, yeah, no, he does. He fully, yeah, takes yeah. advantage of that. He, he, uh, he, he's still going to go through with what he came there to do. Yes. You know what I mean? And why, so... why would he let on anything else, right? Right. And so after they're done with what they do, and they're there and they're, you know... Talking. Post-coital. Yeah, post-coital. I like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're talking and, you know, every once in a while she tries to reach under the pillow, but he knows what's there. Yep. So he keeps like interrupting it. He, I think he does it twice. Mm-hmm. And then finally he lets her go ahead and grab a hold of it as she's like kind of giving her speech and uh, she pulls the gun on him and he's not even phased by it. Like, because he already knows. Right. Uh, you know, not even a, 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 a flinch or anything. You but know? she's surprised by his reaction. Yes. And so she, to her, I mean, to her gangster, she pulled the trigger. She's yeah. like, click. She was, she was going to do it. And he had already pulled all the bullets out of it. And then he pulled his gun and they don't really show it. But, but he kills her. He kills her. Yeah. You know, and so now Sugar Ray really wants to get out of town. And so they've, like you say, they've dot, they've they've hatched this plan, and they've talked to uh, Vera, and he's like, "Do you have somebody that can turn this guy out?" And she's like, "I have this girl, and her pussy's so good that if you threw it up in the air, it turned into sunshine." Right. And her and name her was name. Sunshine. Yep, yes. Sunshine. So Richie Vinto's sitting in a bar with his two buddies. And there's uh, another little scene where she's there with another guy. And he says to her, the whole time we've been here, we're on this date and you're staring at all the other guys. And she's like, I'm not staring at all the other guys. And he's like, well, won't you pay attention to me? And this actually, the scene is kind of funny to me because he, right before he leaves, he grabs her drink and dumps it out. So he obviously oh, right. bought her a drink. Right. And so the drink that he bought, he grabs and dumps it out and says, buy your own drinks. And I just thought that was kind of gangster. Like, like well, yeah. yeah, I bought this drink so you can't have it. So I'm going to I'm going to fucking dump it on. That you. drink like, was full of strings <laughs> attached to all kinds of things, Terrence. Oh, yeah. No and doubt. So, yeah, it makes sense. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'd say, well, fuck you and your drink, motherfucker. Like. <laughs> Didn't want it anyway. I don't know why the hell you were lingering around. And so she sends a drink over to Richie. And uh, the other guys that are with them are like, oh, Richie, she's into you. Like, yeah. you know, oh, my God. And he's like, all right, tell the lady I'll accept the drink if, if she comes over and joins me. And sure as shit, she jumps up and goes over there. And she's like, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been I've been looking at you. And okay, wait, I got to time out real quick. You, you see this over and over and over again where they show that it would be that simple. Yeah. To like get this guy to mm-hmm. turn. Yeah. And I think it's funny because it's like you consider his position uh-huh. and what he's tasked to do on a regular basis. For sure. Why in the hell you have somebody like that that's so easy to like <laughs> flip around. He's such an idiot. Can't see what's happening. <laughs> It was so good. It was like sunshine, Holly. 
It was so good <laughs> that when she when when he had an opportunity to get on the phone, uh-huh. <laughs> he calls his he calls his wife, and his daughter picks up, and he's like, "Hey, honey, it's daddy. Let me talk to mommy." And his wife gets on the phone. And he's like, "Yeah, Margaret, I'm never coming home again. Have a nice life, huh?" And just hangs up on her. Like, <laughs> hopefully, it was a blessing. Hopefully, she was like, "Good." And we just didn't hear that part. And that's how it plays in my mind. She's oh, like, yeah. "Fine, <laughs> good riddance, done." Beat it, Richie. We didn't want you here, anyways. That's right. <laughs> You're a loser. <laughs> and and he and it's great because you know karma works itself all out in it this totally scenario does. anyway. It totally does. And I love how we get to witness the unfolding of the the two plots. Yes. Kind of because it's there was such a focus on the fight, but then this whole side thing with Richie and yeah. Sunshine, and then we're in the car. Yep. And I didn't expect it. Yeah. And so when Richard Pryor, I'm sorry, when Sugar Ray and Quick get out dressed as police officers and they've stopped him. He has no idea who they are. And they, again, so it's so quick how he's like, oh, oh, I just, he just immediately believes them. And he's like, oh my God, she's a drug dealer and her name's heroin and there's heroin in the thing. (laughs) He's like, just "Just because your last name is heroin doesn't mean you got to sell heroin. (laughs) (laughs) So that means he thinks her name is Sunshine Heroin. Let that sink in for a second. Like, dude. Oh, yeah. And so he's got, he's like, you don't even know who you got in your car, do you? That's Lady Heroin. Yep. And she just put 40 pounds of smack in your trunk. (laughs) He's like, what? (laughs) And so they play him. They go back there and they know by the feel of it which bag has the heroin in it and which bag has the money in it. And they grab the bag with the money. And two and then other cops, two show, cops up. show up, <laughs> and you think they're the real deal. Yep. And uh, they they play it like that. You know what I mean? They they seem like those kind of arrogant, dicky cops that sees two black cops and they're lesser. They're not superior. They're not their equals. They're not their peers. Right. They may be police officers, but they're black police officers, and because of that, they're you know lesser. Right. Um. And so. They take the bag that has the money in it, and then you know he doesn't realize it, and so he shows up to Calhoun's and thinks he's completing his job and yeah, he's bringing like, the bag in, you know. Good little boy showing up for yeah, roll call, like no doubt, here I am, right on present. time. <laughs> and he throws the bag on the table and then reaches in and goes to pull out, and they're just like these like paper rolls, yeah, with what's supposed to be heroin. But, but in it's the end, not. it's just sugar. That's right. Because it's Sugar Ray. Yeah. And it's cheap. And it's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so. And then at the same time, the fight has wrapped up mm-hmm. and unbeknownst. Well, and so Calhoun was wrong. Yeah. There wasn't a, a, a there side wasn't... deal for him to take a fall. Nope. And he's a loser there. Yep. He loses all that money. And now he's lost this money to boot now. And it's he's pissed. And then I also like it's always fun when the when when the characters we're rooting for have thought the three steps ahead for without sure. us knowing they thought the three yeah, steps yeah, yeah. ahead. And no so doubt. then we realize when they're in the in the abandoned bank. Yes. Because of course, you know, Cantone has been following them the and they time. knew that he was gonna follow them. For sure they and did. so like they're just like, Oh, oh, 
Oh, oh you caught me. You caught in the, me in the in the vault. Oh no. Oh, like oh, he's like I get it. You know I've. He's like I figured you would try to turn Richie. Like that's why I followed him. And he's like I I saw that and you were you were so good until the real boys showed up and he was so. Yeah. I like how cocky he yes, was when he yes. said he's like when the real boys showed up, you know, and you were right to not you know like fight him. Like, it wouldn't have been good for you, basically, you know, like kind of talking shit and kind of jabbing at the same time. But he's like, but what I don't get is why you would break into a bank that's been closed for five years, five years, you know. (laughs) And and again, in that in that kind of like the hubris, you know, just that it's like they think they both think that that they can sleep on these guys. Yeah. And I don't know why you would think that. No doubt. If no they doubt. had the most successful club and there's they're, a reason for it. Seriously. Yeah. How do you not even, this doesn't even occur to you. Yeah. And so they just think so much of themselves. Yeah. And I, I enjoy that too, because then it's like, oh, hey, we got a little spot for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's unbeknownst to Sergeant Phil Cantone. There's a bunch of guys behind him with shotguns and they tell him to put down his gun and they tie him up and they put him in a chair and they tell him, you know, we're going to call the cops on Monday and we'll let them know that you're in here. You know, and Ray over here, or, or his name was, his actually name was Charlie. And it was, has calculated that you at least got two days of air. And of course, Quick's got to throw his little jabs in. He's like, you know, maybe you want to take short breaths, you know, you know, more like versus this, you know, because you do that, and you're going to die quicker, you know, like yeah. kind of throws his little jabs in and they, they lock him in and they go on their way. Yeah. And uh, now they've gotten all the money and, uh, they've actually set up Cantone because Cantone has realized now that he's been ripped off. Right. A little sooner than they wanted him to find out, um, but he realizes quickly that they played him. And so they decide to go to Ray's house. And and Ray has it all set up. Surprise. Yeah, yeah. And so One they, more surprise They go for in you. and they're looking around and nobody's around. And then all of a sudden... Calhoun realized and he's like it's a setup yep. and one of the guys opens a door and it's I think the trip to the bomb yeah and he takes out Calhoun and his whole crew one fail swoop yep all done and I think that because of that there's that moment that hesitancy at the very end when they're when they have they're looking at the skyline of New York City yeah and it's like they know they have to leave, but there's that thing that's like, but do we have to? Yeah. Because we just took we, out the for but, sure. But yeah, you do. You do. You cannot yeah, stay. You can't stay. You really need to go. Obviously, the major competition has just been taken out, and now you're still there. Mm-hmm. I wonder who did it. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, they realize that they have to go, but they all have. I think they actually have more money than they expected. Yes. Because they didn't know that Calhoun was going to put down five hundred thousand on the fight himself. Right. They expected it to be only so much so that each person would get 50,000. So I think they they got much more than the 50,000 a piece that was originally they did. kind of talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And they drive off into the to the night. Go to find a new city. Go find a new city. And I I think all worked out well <clears throat> for them. I do too. That's how it feels to me. Yeah, yeah. So So I was telling you earlier that there's a couple things that when when I was watching the film just kept kind of like hitting me weird Mm -hmm. and when I was reading about the film 
it, it kind of made more sense to okay. me as to why. As you know, I love Richard Pryor. Yes. I, and although I'm not as familiar with his stand-up, mm-hmm. it's his acting that, I, that I've always really enjoyed. Yeah. And his performance felt off to me yeah. in this film. And I read that the timing of which he had just found out he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis mm-hmm. and he didn't tell anybody. And so he was kind of carrying that the whole time oh, okay. through this production. And I, he actually said after the fact, he thinks it really did affect his performance in this wow. film and maybe even a little remiss, mm-hmm. you know, because of it. And then the other thing I had this assumption, it still is an assumption because I do not know this to be true, but when you meet your heroes, it can be, an overwhelming experience, For I'm sure. sure. It's like a god standing in front exactly. of Exactly. And mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, in his directorial debut, he took a lot on in this film. Yeah. And to direct someone like Richard Pryor, who is such an influential person in your life, I think that there might, my assumption is there had to be moments where it's like, you just let Richard Pryor do Richard Pryor. For sure. Even if your vision's a little bit different of the For scene. Sure. Because how do you do that? Yeah, how do you direct him like that? Like, no, Richard, that's not right. You, how, how does Eddie yeah. say that to a Richard Pryor? So that's my assumption. But the, <clears throat> what I did read was that Eddie Murphy said, you know, looking back at it and the age that he was, he said um, he wished he maybe put a little more into the directing mm-hmm. because he said at the time he was one foot in the club scene. Yeah. So it's like he was always looking for the next party yeah. instead of kind of like maybe preparing for the next day's shoot. Hmm. Okay. And... For me, that's where some of the moments I don't think they hit like like, like they should have. Yeah. I got you. And I but I wanted to like it more. Mm-hmm. Um but I wanted to ask you like we've done a lot of gangster films mm-hmm. um of different eras <clears throat> and of um very different types. Yeah, yeah. And in this one, it it has those hints of the gangster thing, but it's not to me it doesn't really doesn't play like that. No, it's not like a, um, it's not like a Pulp Fiction or King yeah. of New York in the sense of, it's it's this other gamble, like more close to Rounders for sure. actually, and it's but it has that little flavor of yeah. like this mafia, strong army for sure thing. Yeah, and I feel like I wanted them to go one way, like to tip the scale on the drama or the comedy aspect yeah, yeah. of it, yeah. and like tip it to one side. Because I think that would have sunk it in just in, in, on one side or the other. I got you. And maybe just made some of those scenes a little more concise. Because mm-hmm. the, the like I was saying to you earlier, like I can see in hindsight, like that's really clever. That's really funny. Yeah. But it didn't hit that. Like it didn't it make me laugh when I was watching it. But when I think about it, I'm then like. Then it's funny. Yeah. I got you. And I always find that really fascinating about films because. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of exciting is that you get a script and it's just full of potential. Yeah, yeah. And they're always good. Otherwise, they don't get green lighted. Yeah, of course. And so I bet if I read this script, I would just be like, oh, my gosh, like this really is... it would hit different. And then in your mind, knowing all these different characters, these different actors are going to be in it, like the thought of it, you're just like, oh, my God, yeah. like this is going to be ridiculous. Like totally. all these these major comedians, these three decades of comedians, like to read it and know that they're going to be in these roles. You'd be like, Oh my, this is going to be ridiculous. And then I, I, I just totally understand what you're saying. And the other thing <clears throat> is that this film did take a, a lashing from the critics. Did um, it? yeah, there was a lot of criticism, but it has become 
yet again, you know, we keep we keep doing a, a really strong cult classic sure. because of the dialogue and the humor. Yep. We just keep doing these cult classics, Terrence. Yes. <laughs> Another I one in the books. Them. I Me love too. Them. They're yes. great. Yes, yes. So So next up. Next up. We are gonna watch Swingers. Nice. I haven't seen that one in a long time. Okay, fun. I was it was funny because I was like I was like trying at home today, I was like looking through my movies and I was trying to guess what movie you would pick and <laughs> was not swingers. Uh-huh. Um, but you didn't pick the one that I thought you were going to pick. So I'm going to make that my next one. Sweet. Yeah. Exciting. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So swingers. Swingers. Yeah. That one's got uh, Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn in it. And what's Heather other? Graham. But there's uh, Vince Vaughn. And oh, who's John. His... Um, I can't pronounce his last name. Favreau. Favreau. John... Yes. Yeah. Sweet. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much. It's going to be so much fun to watch this next one. Let's have a good one. And um, we'll be back again. Yes. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you again for downloading. We hope you liked it. Real Nostalgic is produced by Hollis Lazzarini with additional support from me, Terrence McHenry. Our logo was designed by Carissa Westfall. Please check out our website, realnostalgic.com. Like, share, subscribe, and write to us. We'd love to hear from you.